are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Caitlin Reza. Caitlin is an aspiring funny girl. We'll be right back with Caitlin, but first let's talk about disappointment. By disappointment, I don't mean being disappointed. I don't mean having disappointment with things. I mean being a disappointment. And this is something that's going around and around in my head this week. I'm having a very bad week. I can blame a little bit of it on PMS, but I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go to the gym after work. I'm exhausted. I'm run down. I'm apathetic. I'm at that low, like crazy making depression stuff that I haven't been having for a while. Like this, the last month it's been creeping up on me and right now I'm at a really low point. And what's rattling around in my little squirrel brain is being a disappointment to other people because I'm letting people down right now. I'm letting down my mom over something I committed to doing and now I'm telling her I'm not sure I want to do that. And it's not until next fall and maybe I'll feel totally different in the fall. But right now the idea of going back to Michigan and helping her sort out her house is like, I'm not doing it. I'm just, it's just like, no. And I was a big disappointment to a very close friend of mine months and months ago. And I know a lot of that was you know, just not realizing how they were doing, but also just not being up for it, probably just realistically speaking, being a bad friend. So I keep having these moments where I'm like, bad friend, bad friend, you are a terrible friend. And not even being aware of it necessarily at the time in some cases, and then just feeling sort of obnoxious. I'm feeling obnoxious a lot, just going out with friends and thinking, oh, yeah, I think I just interrupted her 14 times because I can't stay on track mentally at all. And so I'm just a disappointment. I'm disappointed to myself and everybody else. Now, in, in real life, probably nobody, you know, I'm not the center of the universe. Nobody notices. Nobody cares. Nobody's going, oh, my God, Laura Milken drew a big disappointment in life. But that's where I am with things. And that's where depression takes you sometimes. And actually, I am a disappointment in that I'm not going to call people back necessarily. I'm trying. Trying to reach out and try and call back. But when you're in the depths of depression, you might not. And so I'm in a might not phase. And I don't know, ruminating on a lot of things. Because I'm in a bad spot, I've actually decided to go do an artist residency in Mexico this summer, at the very least go to Mexico for a month and make some artwork and be completely irresponsible to everyone and everything. My job's over at the end of May and I just think I'm going to go to Mexico and sit at the beach and make some artwork. And my mom had been on the show for Christmas and she said this wonderful thing, which I think is really true, that when you're in depression, sometimes the best thing to get you out of it is to be in service to somebody else. And volunteering somewhere gets you out of the house, helping someone else out gets you outside of your own head. And last night I was thinking that's not 
so true for me right now. I feel like many things in my life have been in service to other people. And that's been a direction in my life as far as what I do with my artwork, even this show, what I do as a teacher, what I do as a community member, what I do as a friend is often in service to somebody else. And that disappointing people might be a little bit that I'm just, I'm just wrung out with being nice and helpful to anybody. I like doing that and it fills me up and it is a way of getting out of depression. But right now I want to go be selfish and sit at the beach and maybe have a margarita and make some artwork. So that's the plan. <laughs> My plan for disappointing everyone is to go run away. So that's the plan. And I'm I'm good with it because I think I'll come back with that sunshine back in my soul and put together a little better. And it's way off in May, but sometimes you just need to do something for yourself. And so that's what I'm doing. And it makes me feel, it's the only thing that makes me feel excited in all of this daily life stuff that I can't be excited about anything right now because I'm in a funk. Anyway, if you are all having a hard time, being in service of somebody else certainly can help you out of depression. But I thought sometimes think being completely selfish and self-centered can also be good. Today we have with us in the studio, Caitlin Reza. Caitlin is an aspiring funny girl. Hello, Caitlin. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hello. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. What's new with you? What's going on in your life? What do you want to share? I am also trying to be excited about future stuff. So kind of planning what to do when I'm out of the semester and trying to get back into writing right now. And yeah, just kind of look for things to do on stage and off stage. Yeah. What do you do on stage? Um, I mean, I do love to tell jokes and my stand up rules the world around me mostly. Yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily always do the being on the stage being that person, but I want to be around it as much as I can. So, yeah. yeah, I always think that's very brave. It's different. I mean, <laughs> it's different from being on stage and knowing your lines and like being able to go through with someone else's work versus being open enough to say what's in your head and if people will actually like it or be comfortable hearing it. And if they find you funny, it must be the best feeling. Oh, it's a great high. Yeah, yeah. It's and when they don't, it must be the worst feeling. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm learning to not take that so personal. I'm just kind of working with that but yeah it's going it's been going well so yeah yeah do you do you do shows around town so i like the little pockets here i laughs is great but i am more of a fan of like those small more intimate ones like the open mics at pass and surly wench and stuff like that so very cool Mm -hmm. i just think if somebody wants to hear you they can find you around town oh man i don't even invite my own friends if you catch me like that's (laughs) great but for the most part (laughs) you won't find it (laughs) that's why you're comfortable with the audience right Mm -hmm. you're like there's no one out there no oh yeah i'm like (laughs) nope i feel more judged by people i'm friends with rather than strangers yeah yeah you don't want to be a disappointment don't want to be a disappointment I also want those honest laughs. Like, I'm not trying to feel the, the sweet sympathy of your friends. Ha ha! In the back, so. <laughs> I've never done any stand-up. I've gotten up on stage plenty as an artist, but. Sure. Just, I just, I don't think that I'm very funny. Well, what do you, you know? do on stage then? Are you doing, like, like big well, reads or? Performance. Mm-hmm. I've done Odyssey storytelling. I've done oh, performance cool. pieces that were staged. Most of my performances, stuff like this, where I get on the radio yeah. every week or walk across the country or things like that. Definitely. But I've never done performances that were, oh, that's not true. Back. Just, yeah, and I was like 18, I did a summer play, Screw Tape. There it is. We'll see. Yeah. 
God, it's a million years ago. You so, you've done it. I, I did. I had like one of those walkthrough lines. You like say something and exit. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was the secretary. You're like, Canvas, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, Caitlin, tell us the story of your depression. Yeah. Okay. So I primarily still have my bouts with depression, obviously, all the time. There's no cure-all that I've found yet. Even finding different medications has always been something kind of weaving in and out. No perfect formula. It feels great knowing what can help pull away from that. Like you said, like going to the gym, working in ways of not disappointing yourself. I think what's funny is that, so when I was 19, I tried to kill myself. And that should be what I figure is the lowest point I've ever had. It should be like, well, you wanted to take your own life. You should, that should have been it. But I can actually look back on other parts of depression where you're so down, you don't want to move and you just kind of lay there and you're like, I hope I just starved to death. And those to me are more low than actually, because there was something very serene in the decision where it was like, no, I'm just doing this. I'm, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. So I was 19 and I remember working at like a retail store and surrounding that thought, it was all leading up, you know, the the downstairs feeling like week by week. And I was, it, it was a breakup and then it was family, home issues. There was young. I don't know what to do with my life. Might as well end it because I'm so young. Can't disappoint anyone. Can't disappoint myself if there's no life to be had. So I just remember staring at this one like gray chunk of carpet in the fitting room when I was in this retail shop and just fixated on it. Just kept coming back to it. I was like, no, just, yeah, I I think I'm going to go home and I'm going to do that. That's what I had planned. And I was just tripping out at the fact that like I was surrounded by people all day long, yet I could not tell anyone or voice how I was feeling because it was just so settled so it was kind of out of body in a way I guess like I said I think what's been crazy is that since that particular time there's been moments since then where I'm like oh yeah I could definitely do that but I mean the beauty of it is I haven't I always kind of have pulled myself right out of that in the sense I mean learning your triggers learning you said you can feel yourself going into this like apathetic feeling Sometimes you really can't help yourself, but just to be soaked in it. But I'm learning more or less to try to feel it beforehand, like way in advance, if possible. <laughs> it's kind of like, but then you fall d- down into it and you, it's almost like cheating on a diet. You're like, oh man, I tripped over that and just kept <laughs> cheating on myself. But even now, I still have that. I could just end it because I'm not worth it right now. That whole I don't know what to do. Like I have things I love, but I'm almost overwhelmed by it. And even even listening to your show, like it was it's an incredible thing because it does give that eye-opening thing. Me personally, I need. I'm sure there are thousands in the city that also need it. But I'm intimidated because people on your show are these acclaimed writers and producers and just people who like seem well established. But the the thing that we keep in common is that they also are dealing with these really intense motions that, I don't know, rub you raw till you're in the darkest depths. So that's why I'm glad by it, but I still am fighting all the time with it. And so for me, stand-up was always there for me. And that's kind of like, I guess, the moral of my life story right now is that I started getting depressed when I was eight. I knew it, that something was wrong, and not everyone felt that way because even, I mean, even in my family, it's half and half. Like, my sister does not get the kind of depression that I get. And my mom literally has no concept of what anxiety is, which is beautiful, but it's also really hard because you are trying to show people what's going on. And she's like, wow, I just have no idea what you're talking about. So (laughs) 
but it's good to know through like your station that there's help and all that. And for me, again, the stand up, it did kind of raise me in a sense because I grew up knowing that if you can make other people laugh, no one could be angry or you couldn't be angry or sad or anything like that. So just kind of went up from there. And it's always been also something weird to look on that. Like, I mean, you can look back at many comedians and a lot of them have these mental distressed minds. So I kind of really felt a relationship in there. So even now it's been kind of a training tool along. I mean, I'm just getting there. Like I'm not proficient. I'm not brilliant, but I'm finding a therapeutic aspect to it. Being able to voice what I finally want to say, feel like I'm not disappointing myself by actually saying what I want to say and like not being a people pleaser in the sense, just holding back and being quiet. So people like you. So I, I love it for that. I also, it's, it's just like a different kind of community. And I feel like there are a lot of people like us who just get down. So it's kind of, you can lift each other up in a different way, even though that's not something that has been a cure-all. And again, there's that point where you like no amount of running, no amount of yoga, no amount of pills. I mean, I love my therapist. She's been with me since I, like on and off since I was 17. And again, it's nice to hear through years that like other people are doing this. It's not that outlandish to just, you know, even if you're not in those low points, I love talking to my therapist. She's real cutthroat. She's, it, it, it took a long time to find her. I had to go through like several people to find that. And I just want to let people know that that may be the case if you're seeking help. Like it's not always that love at first therapist. You have to work for it, but it's totally worth it. So yeah, no, mine, she, she's the person that I need because she's again, someone who's going to be sassy, but also real with me. So she can be like, Oh yeah, no, you're totally messing that up. And I'll be like, I know, and I know that you're just saying everything I'm thinking, but it's good to have that kind of open conversation in a place that's safe. Well, I guess back on the killing yourself thing. <laughs> so I, I attempted it through pills. So I, I just downed a bunch of pills. And I think ultimately what would stop me was I didn't want anyone to find me. I mean, that's just so brutal on family and everything. I just, and yeah, my mom's probably like the key reason I don't want to go down that route. And sometimes I'm, you know, not in a Hunter S. Thompson way where it's, oh, I want to pick my suicide so I can control death and all that. It's no, sometimes I think that I, I know myself well enough that there will be that breaking point where it may, but the beautiful thing is that it's never happened and I'm fighting against it. Every day is something like you're never, it's never gone, but you don't always have to feel it the same way. I don't know if you feel that way. Like it's kind of a shadow, but I I am working all the time for the regiment, but not the perfect cure. I mean, it's just something you kind of have to know about yourself and people can accept or not. But I'm just glad that that ultimately didn't happen. And I feel like I'm, as I get older, I am trying to communicate it a little bit better. And I think this is a really great day and age to be someone who has depression anxiety is like it's very open now a lot more people talk about it than ever before so I love that <laughs> versus I, I really do feel bad for people maybe even 50 years ago who it was still just pushed under the rug topic or you know oh Sue's not feeling good so she's just you know locked in her room PMS or you know whatever which again sometimes that's a that is a part of it but now it's just keeping yourself on top of yourself <laughs> Thanks so much for your story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And one of the things that is ironic, it's always ironic how, how, how a guest comes at the right time for me too, mm -hmm. which is 
I realized I wasn't, I probably should see a therapist and I've seen them on and off over the years Mm -hmm. and never found somebody who's great. Yeah. It wasn't your match. It's never. Yeah. And, and it's always helpful, but it's never been somebody that I'm like, wow, okay. I want to stick with this person. No offense to the therapist I've had over the years, (laughs) but I don't feel like making any phone calls. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to look up what my insurance covers. I know, I and know. that's the, yeah. the crazy part of it is that also like pulls into it is that you're, wait, there's this whole struggle piece just to even get what I need. Like, right. You know what I mean? I don't even feel like doing step one, which is finding out whether my insurance covers it. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't want to go looking for a therapist and I don't want to ask questions about it and I don't want to make phone calls and I don't want to talk to anybody to even find somebody who might actually help me. And so what I did was said, mom, can you do the legwork at the start of this? Mm-hmm. She has depression. She totally gets where I'm coming from. Like, That's you, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Can you just do some footwork for me right now? Since I don't think I can do it. And I know I can do it. I can do it. I'm not going to. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to. I think that's what I like from your story the most is that you know what's happening, but you're also like, hey, sometimes I need it enough to just say no. Like, I'm doing it for me to not do something or to not be around me. I find, I keep thinking about depression, obviously, on mm-hmm. this show, <laughs> and I love all the different ways that people experience it. And one of the things that's amazing to me is the thread that runs through them all. Yeah. And then how different we all are. And... What works for you, like you said, there's there's no perfect cocktail that you're just going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's been my big learning thing is just to lean into it and be not okay. Just be not okay sometimes and then tell people I'm not okay. That's because so funny. You actually bring leaning into it because my therapist actually says that too. She's like, yes. lean into it. Lean, lean into in. it. Lean into it. Make sure. friends with it because mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. No. And it comes and goes. Mine's definitely like, a, like, hey, I'm going to hang out for a couple months. And I'm like... Awesome. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the fact that you were talking about how like you feel obnoxious, but everyone's obviously got, you know, their head is so, so far away from like what we're picturing all the time. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I said that too loud. Okay. I, I, okay, I said it too many times. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I repeated that story too five times this week. Mm. Mm, mm, <laughs> yes. I must leave. <laughs> yeah. And we all, we're all, we're all patient with each other. We're all so much kinder and nicer to each other than we are to ourselves. And yes, no, that's entirely true. You're your biggest critic. You're, you're, I don't know about you, but I don't want to disappoint myself more often than anybody else. You you know, I mean, even though people pleasing is definitely part of it, but (laughs) still, you know, if you hurt yourself more, you're just going to be torn up about it. So sometimes just take stepping away from it and just saying, you know, I can do this. I'm just not going to do this. I'm just being honest here. Yeah, or calling like, a friend card like, hey, mom, you're my mom. Well, you make some phone calls because I'm not going to do it. Because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It'd be really good for me. You don't have to even. Yeah, you can say no. You can say no. And it, it won't even matter because I'm not going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no. Oh, man, you made a good point, though. And the, the finding the therapist, I mean, it will be worth it if you want to. And occasionally, I think there's just no therapist out there for me. Yeah, on occasion, you're so like, terrible. okay. It does. And I know that feeling because I remember I was I, I was very fortunate. I only saw about like five before I found my my lady. And um, I remember meeting every single one of them just being like, 
wow, this is like online dating. It's just not happening, you know? <laughs> but Oh. And I've done the friend recommendation thing mm-hmm. of like, hey, who do you know that's good? And five people recommended the same person and I went to them. And they were helpful, but it wasn't, wasn't, there wasn't, that wasn't for me. Yeah. yeah, I was just, yeah, we can hang out, but we're not going to be close. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm saying <laughs> thanks. <laughs> There's no chemistry here. <laughs> and weirdly, those same people always gave me one little nugget of something. Mm-hmm. Whether I saw them three times or ten times. There was always something in there that I'm like, oh, that's really, really helpful. Well, at least you were collecting almost like enough nuggets to build your own form of therapy. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right, though. I think that we are a lot nicer and kinder. And even if you, like you said, we all kind of react to depression differently. When you have it, you can definitely relate to that other person a lot more. Like you understand where they're coming from, even if you haven't felt it that precise exact way. So yeah. it's just kind of like, I, I just hear where you're coming from. Okay. You're feeling crap today that was me last week. Great. Well, let me know what you need. Or... And that was another thing that I was really amazed by with your story that I don't get suicidal. I just don't. Wow. I never have. That's nice. I feel very lucky. Mm-hmm. I get like deeply apathetic, which my friend said, Oh no, that's worse. And I'm like, no, yours is worse. <laughs> you know, it was like your word. No, yours is worse. <laughs> but what I thought was really interesting is you said that the suicidal moment so calm mm-hmm. and eerily, like almost out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't had anybody quite say it that way. I think that's really lovely and, and sort of very relatable. I think that's, yeah, it's very similar to when people say that, like, they just accept a certain fate. Cancer patients at some point are like, you know what, this is, this is happening. Just to put that side by side, not it's on top of each other, but you know, I think it's very similar. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of judgment around depression, but I think even more so around suicide. Sure. And like you said, this is a good time to be alive because heroes of ours are being open about things and people do kill themselves and people are forgiving. Like Robin Williams comes to mind as just, a, you know, the oh, comedian. Yeah. Of like, I was broken about that. That was yeah. just heart-wrenching. But And then at the same time saying, I get it, dude. Yeah, like I get it. I know where you were when that happened. Like I, I do. And I think sometimes I feel like my thoughts on it are really morbid because I've been so close to it that I'm like, threw up all those pills. Like, I, I know like that I made the choice to come back. But at the same time, just the fact that if you've been that close, it, I, I feel like I can be a little morbid about it in the sense that I don't mind talking about it. Like, I feel like it's really real. And I and I hope other people don't mind e- either when I'm talking about it or they feel like they can talk to me about it or, you know, whatever it is, the switch. But it's, it is a good time to have that conversation, I feel like. And I know that for me, having the conversation about depression makes the depression less. Yeah. It just, it's like a little release valve. Does it work that way for talking about suicide? Um, or no? You know what? I think it does in a sense. Like it's not that, that abrupt in me, but at the same time, I think it does make it a little bit lighter. Like my jokes can be pretty black, dark comedy, but at the same time, it's, I think making light of something that is very serious or something that is, it's a bigger picture. It's just, you almost have to know that darkness to be able to talk about it like that. I, I was wondering that about you and your session is like, you feel like this, your own therapy. I mean, yes. mm-hmm. like you said, it does, you feel better when you're like helping other people and talking and you know, so that's great too. Yeah. And then there's always a breaking point with being helpful. Oh, Being sure. helpful gets you through depression pretty well because it gets you out of sight of yourself. Yeah. When I'm teaching, I'm in a great mood. I I know none of my students can really wrap their head around, I have a whole show about depression. Sure. Because I'm like, oh, 
let's work on this. And oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited and I'm engaged. And they're like, you and get like that? And then I walk out the door and the gray sweeps in and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to go home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's, it's weird because it does get you outside of yourself and it allows you to be totally happy and engaged and mm-hmm. fulfilled, but it's not going to fix the underlying thing. It's almost like a cover-up for a second, you know? Like, I mean, it is great and beneficial. At least this is, like, the healthiest way to get outside yourself. You're like, I'm helping others. But, yeah, then at the end of the day, you have to be with yourself. And you're with that. Yeah. And then there's that thing about, I think, sometimes there's there's kind of got to be some balance scale in everything. Like, for me, there's the balance scale between anxiety and depression. Right now, I'm completely not anxious. I don't care about anything. That's awesome. Yeah, that right? is kind of the beauty of apathy. You're just like, I don't even feel it. Not worried. Don't care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our world is going to crap. Who cares? It's all right. It's all right. Our Bring race it down. Is, you know, used up their time here. <laughs> and so, you know, there there is this sort of balance scale with that. But there's also, I think, a balance scale between being outside of yourself enough to be engaged with other people and be healthy in that way and overdoing it. And not helping yourself and running yourself out of emotional reserves. And yeah. I think that's where I'm right now. I just run out of emotional reserves. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to flee. Like, yeah. totally relatable where it's just like, I'm tapped. The beach Gonna, in Mexico. Yeah. That, okay. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't go wrong with that escape. So, and especially since you're going to be like making art out there and everything. So, yeah. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It is not a good financial plan. It's just what I'm doing because your health is everything. If you're not mentally healthy, who cares if you don't have money money or don't have money? Oh, sometimes I think about how when I'm my poorest, I'm my happiest because I'm either like being really innovative and finding ways to be cheap or yeah, like you said, your mental health's fine. So who cares if the lights don't work? (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I wanted to pull out of what you had to say was having your family relate and not relate oh yeah it's 50 50 it is trippy and what's beautiful is that i get older i'm not as shy to come out and talk about this so like other parts of my family like extended family here you know and they're like wow i had no idea and it's yeah no that's that's a real thing but it's it's not bad because you know working on it but my dad and me we share you know a lot of the same problems and it's funny actually he he knows but he's still in such denial he's like Oh, you have that? And I'm like, yeah. And I'll repeat back what he says. I was like, similar to what you have? And he goes, no, totally different. I go, dad, that's the same thing. Okay, whatever. But yeah, my mom, she's been the biggest rock. I mean, she's amazing. And I think it's beautiful that your mom understands because you guys come from the same place. My mom, it's beautiful because even though she is nowhere at like near the same place, she still loves me enough to like try to rack her brain around it and understand where I'm coming from when I lose my mind or I just have these crazy swings and that's why it was worth coming back. I mean, like people like that. And that makes her a rock in that way too. Of Just that there is somebody who's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh man, it's good to have a sane person. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Our family doesn't come with many of those. Many of those sane rocks, you know? <laughs> lot of mental health stuff is and a lot of I, I i keep thinking like i have a lot of really smart interesting people in my family sure. who are not okay half the time and that's the, the theme i keep hearing in the news this musician this comedian this yeah. artist this uh, you know and film star whatever there's there's a kind of maybe it's some kind of like you can connect deeply 
And then you can also be deeply disturbed over things. Yeah, no, I think it is like a great deal of empathy and sympathy. You understand better. And that's why you can kind of like communicate with the masses better. You relate easier. And then maybe being more permeable to what's going on in the world makes it harder. I hear that there's just so much depression right now. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how much of it is because people are finally talking. I I feel like it's a lot of crazy stuff. Obviously, in the States right now, we have a lot of turmoil in like different corners, different topics, all of that, where it's so weird to read something culturally about, I think it's parts of China. They don't have a word for depression because they don't really have it. They have different cultural symptom diseases that they have, but like depression is just something I th- it must be nice to live in a place where like you, you're just set in a different way and they don't have that same problem that we do. And that is a perfect note to end the show on. Thanks for being on the depression section. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.